and welcome back to the NWHL Fifth Star Podcast presented by the National Women's Hockey League. Ken Reichman back here with you on the third installment of the NWHL Fifth Star Podcast. It looks like we're settling into an every other week schedule, so stay tuned to the NWHL.zone website and at NWHL on Twitter for updates on when the newest podcasts are dropped. Today, we are joined by three very special guests. We're bringing on Lindsey Berman, the assistant coach for the Boston Pride, Erica Lawler, a forward for the Metropolitan Riveters, and Sydney Rossman, the starting goalie for the Connecticut Whale. And they will let us in uh, to some of the inside insights on the first two weeks of the NWHL season, off to a, uh, a, a riveting start, I will say, and pun definitely intended, the Metropolitan Riveters are flying. The only team in the league with a positive goal differential at plus seven. They beat the Pride on opening weekend, four to one. Then they beat the Buttes the next weekend, six to two. They are flying right now. The only undefeated team in the league, the Buttes and the Whale. Uh, at an even 500 to get the season started. And the Boston Pride off to a surprising 0-2 start. And we will definitely hear more about that start when we bring on our first guest. So here we go. Without further ado, here she is, the assistant coach for the Boston Pride and the head coach up at UMass Boston, Lindsay Berman. All right, so we're back now with Lindsay Berman, the assistant coach for the Boston Pride and the head coach over at UMass Boston. Lindsay, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How about yourself? Doing well. Thanks so much for hopping on this afternoon. Wanted to talk to you a little bit about the pride early on this season. Obviously not the start you guys were looking to get off to. An 0-2 start for you guys, a 4-1 loss to the Riveters, followed up by a 2-1 loss to the Whale. Tell me a little bit about what you saw from your team early on and what areas are you guys looking to improve in as you move forward? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, you're right. Not the not the way we wanted to start in terms of our record, but um, overall, we're really happy with the way the team's playing and um, meshing early on. Um, you know, with practicing twice a week, we try to get a lot in in those two days, but um, I think the, the, the most obvious area that we need to improve on is our scoring. Um, but we have a lot of pressure. Um, I think we're, we're really good in the offensive zone with moving the puck, but uh, the next piece is is burying it and getting getting grittier in front of our own net. But overall, yeah, we're we're happy with our energy, uh, what we bring every day. Um, so it's just that last piece of, of burying pucks. Any young players in uh, specific who are impressing you and the rest of the coaching staff early on? Well, we have we have a lot of depth, that's for sure. Um, but on on the back end, uh, Kalia Johnson has has really stood out for us. Um, you know, behind Lexi Bender and Galliardi, there, there are our older guys um, are most consistent for sure. But Kalia has really stepped up in in a huge role for us back there. Um, and then up front, um, getting getting Trevino and and Skrupa involved um, has been awesome. Uh, we have a returner in Emily Field who's who's been doing really well. Janine Weber has helped us a ton. Um, and then. We're, we're yeah we're just really excited to for those guys to be involved and we're getting contributions from from everyone so it's been it's been really good to see the depth you guys go into this weekend which will be the 11th uh, your next game against the Buttes uh, the only team you haven't seen in the league thus far uh, on the road uh, anything in specific in particular that you guys are working on this week in practice before that game yeah, I think the biggest thing again is is the goal scoring piece, um, and just 
being a little bit hungrier um, and not not looking for the pretty place so much. But we're excited to go up there. Uh, the road trips are always fun, and we know we're going to see a, a fast and competitive Buttes team, especially seeing them as as our reigning champs. So. Yeah, we're, we're looking for a, a fast game. You've mentioned it a few times, the, the goal scoring aspect. Two goals in two games for you guys. Obviously, that's not going to get it done. Is it, right. And as you mentioned in your last answer there, is it just about getting uh, to the dirty areas, right? Having a, uh, you know, sniffing out the dirty goal when you can? Or is it just a matter of putting the puck on net more? I think it is getting into the dirty, dirty areas. It's also, uh, it's also the chemistry piece. Um, having having not been together for that long, and, and it's not an excuse. Obviously, you know other the other teams have found a way to to put the puck in the back of the net, but uh, we just we think it will come if we keep doing the right things and um, if we if we stay disciplined and, and stay hungry, it will come. Um, but we just have to be more willing to to get a little grittier down there. I want to transition a little bit uh, and, and talk about you uh, specifically, Lindsay. Uh, transitioning from player to coach is never easy. How much uh, of your time do you spend on the bench just wishing you could get out there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is a little bit of that. But uh, I was fortunate enough to play not only four years in college, but then I played four years in the CWHL and then two in the NWHL. So I think I kind of got it out of my system. Um <laughs> And I'm, I'm really enjoying it on this side of things. I, of course, wish sometimes that I could be out there, but um, this side is, is rewarding as well. And I think I've, yeah, I, th- I think I'm done with the, the competitive side of the playing part of it. Right. So by getting it out of your system, you mean you've removed the hockey net from your living room, correct? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's now in the dining room. Okay, so it's, good. it's a little bit more remote. Yep. <laughs> like a bowl in a china shop, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> How about your role on that bench up in Boston? How do you uh, see yourself uh, meshing in with the rest of that coaching staff? And what is your role specifically as an assistant up there? Well, I'm uh, so far working mostly with our defense, um, which is a position that I played in in college and then out of college. And tell me a little bit what the confidence level is like in Boston now. Obviously, you guys you guys go sixteen and one last year, take a an undefeated record until the last week of the season. A different feeling to the start of this season, but obviously, there's got to be some uh, you know a well of confidence up there. Yes, and there is, and. Um, I think a lot of these players have been in a position before at some point in their lives where they have gotten off to a rocky start. So um, where it might be new to the Pride organization, a lot of these players have been through it before. Um, but the season is long, and you know I think the hope right now is that we, we put it together and peak at the right time, where I think if you look at the Pride record last year, we didn't peak at the right time, um, having dropped that last game. So um, right now I think we just have to get our confidence higher by playing um, and and trust the process and that it will pay off for us at some point. Trust the process. And isn't, isn't that a Philadelphia thing? <laughs> yeah, I think, it, I think it is. And it's, yeah. it's working for them. Yeah, exactly. Now, <laughs> uh, just uh, one final question for you is, is it hard at the beginning of the season where you're not off to the start you want to get off to, to have a week in between games? Or is it one of those things where you need that practice time? Or do you wish you could just get right back out there and get back at it? Yeah, I think it's a mix of both. Um, obviously, when we, we drop a game on a Saturday, of course, we wish we could come back the next day and fix it. But um, I, th- I think it is good for their bodies to rest. Um, and I, I think it's good to, to kind of let it go and move on rather than dwelling on it. So. 
we we utilize the week to um, you know rest the bodies from the the hard hitting and the competitiveness of the game, but some anticipation, um, some excitement for the next game, knowing that it's an entire week away. All right, so Lindsey Berman, Boston Pride assistant coach and head coach up in UMass Boston, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast today. Sure. Thanks for having me. All right. So we're back now with Erica Lawler, a forward for the for the. Oh, I'm sorry, the Metropolitan Riveters. Uh, I'm still getting used to that as well. Erica, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, no, t- no problem. Anytime. You guys are off to quite the start over there. Two and zero. You're scoring at a rampant pace. What is going on with the Riveters? Well, we're having a lot of fun. That's you know that's always important. That's always number one. Um, we have a, a great mix. We have a great group, a great mix of people. Um, we we sort of just keep our heads down, work hard, and usually when you work hard and you have fun, um, good things happen on the ice. So uh, I think, yeah, we're off to a great start. We're having a ton of fun. Um, we're really enjoying starting, you know, sort of learning how to play with one another. Um, and yeah, luckily it's 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 shown on the scoreboard, so can't complain. Yeah, certainly. And now you, Erica, you're returning to the game after a few years away. What enticed you to come back? <laughs> That's a great question. And you know what? I uh, I was sort of asking myself the same thing when I when I first started to come back. I was like, ah. Hey, this thirty-year-old body doesn't right. Everything everything hurts. <laughs> yeah, no. It's like okay, the ankle bone is connected to the shin <laughs> bone. You know, I'm like, okay, uh, I, I got to figure out how this whole thing works again. But um, I I wanted to come back and start playing because I really miss being a part of a team. Mm. Um, and I wanted to go, you know, into a locker room full of my friends every every so often, or at least you know, with the Riveters, it's it's twice a week for practice and then one game a week, but. You know, I just wanted to feel that camaraderie again. I it was the thing I loved the most about hockey, and I really missed it. And I, I thought I had at least one more year left in me, one more year left in the tank. So, so why not? And how do you feel so far? I mean, uh, obviously no points just yet, but you've you've put a few pucks on that. Do you feel like it's all coming along the way you planned? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, I, I like to think that the points will come. Uh, the points will come, but I. I'm starting to feel a lot better. At first, I was very, very nervous. I'm not gonna lie. I was, <laughs> I was. I. It was a very, very tough transition, and I was thinking, man, I, I stopped playing. When I stopped playing, I was playing on Team USA. I, I should, maybe I should have just gone out that way, you know. Um, but no, it's it's gotten a lot better within the last, I'd say, last week. I'm starting to, you know, I'm starting to get my. I'm starting to get my bearings back. I fell down constantly when I first started again. <laughs> uh, and I I already fall down a decent amount because I am tiny out there. So people have a tendency to outpower me quite a bit. But, um, but yeah, I, I feel a lot better now. It was a tough, tough transition. But I'm getting back into it. I have a lot of supportive, great, encouraging teammates that have helped me um, sort of start to feel a little bit more comfortable on the ice again. So I'm thankful for that. But... It's it's been a learning experience, but I'm starting to feel good in my own skin on the ice again. You mentioned coming into uh, you know how exciting it is to come into a locker room full of your friends uh, a few times a week. Tell me about the chemistry and camaraderie in that Riveters locker room so far. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. You know, everybody pretty much has full time jobs, and so this is sort of the element of our life to provide us with some balance and 
and some good positive energy because you love representing um you know you you love sort of i guess being role models for future generations and and stuff like that when when that's sort of your priority and what your your intention behind playing it it creates a very fun atmosphere to be a part of in the locker room so um we're all going there with the intentions to have fun and enjoy one another's company and to work hard and you know to to grow the sport and I, I think that that totally removes yourself from the equation and you're able to have a lot more fun that way so there's a lot of different personalities and it's a it's a great space it's an accepting space and you know we just love to have fun with one another and and our jobs on the ice that's a uh, actually a super interesting point and i wonder what that feeling is like uh, of building the sport do you guys talk about that or is it just laser focus on the practice laser focus on the game or do you guys you know ever discuss how important this could be what what exactly you guys are up to honestly i think you know what that's a huge that's a huge part of the equation when when you're graduating college and you're wondering if you should keep playing or not, um, and considering the salaries in the NWHL, they're obviously not substantial enough for that to be your full-time job. Um, so when you're trying to weigh out your priorities and what's important to you at that time, hockey isn't the number one thing. Um, you start to realize that a career after hockey is starting to become more important. And so when you continue to play you're usually sacrificing a lot and the reason why you're justifying that and the reason why you're doing it isn't because of the money it isn't because of the sport alone it's also just because of how much you want to impact the growth of the sport and the future generations of the sport it's a huge part of the reason why what reason why every single one of not just the riveters but everybody in the league are still contributing and still playing it's because you care about about improving the game and about growing the game and about displaying, you know, being role models to all the all the young women in the stands who are watching, aspiring to be like you someday. So um, the money's not there for it to be anything, you know, anything more or less than that. It's it's well, I love to play hockey and I love it so much that I want to make sure that it gets better for future generations. Um, and that's that's got to be the probably the lion's share of the rationale behind everyone's decision in this league. And for you, I mean, somebody who spent some time away from the game, I mean, you saw it on the outside, right? You saw how much this was impacting uh, young women and, and little girls, and, and you had to feel, you know, somewhat compelled to maybe immerse yourself back into the game, correct? Yeah, it's, I've been, I've watched, in the inaugural season, I went to every single Ritter game. I live in New York, so that's why. I also went to a number of the Pride games. Um, in last season, it's same story. And so I would be in the stands and see, watching, you know, watching Barnabas fill up with, with people, uh, you know, sell out games and stuff like that. And seeing little kids running around with, with like Ketchum jerseys on mm. or, you know, uh, a Russo jersey or whatever it may be. Um, it was really, really cool. And not only that, but just the buzz in general around the NWHL, whether it's through social media, um, just, you know, through being involved in women's hockey still, or at least the grassroots programs, everybody knows the NWHL brand when you're in, when you're in girls hockey or in, in the hockey space. And that's, 
a great thing. You know, that says a lot about the league and all the, you know, all the work they've done in order to promote it and get it out there. Um, also says a lot about the quality of play and the players in the league and the talent that's in the league. Because um, obviously, if you don't have a great product, then nothing that'll never succeed. So um, I think that, you know, with the league and players alike, um, it's it's very inspiring. And I saw how that impacted the audience. And of course, that is something that I wanted to be a part of and want to be a part of in some capacity. And this year, <laughs> I decided to, um, you know, lace up the skates again <laughs> and and get back on the ice. So hopefully I'll be able to inspire in ways that I think that every single player in this league has actually inspired me as well to come back and, and play again. So, yeah. um that, that, yeah. That's really inspiring stuff to hear, Erica. And and I got to say, uh, from an outsider's perspective, the impact that you and every other uh, volunteer and player and coach have uh, working with the NWHL is uh, immeasurable. And, and I think we'll we'll start to see that over uh, the course of the next few years. Um, and I'll ask you one more question, then I'll let you go. But I, I want to know what it's like for you to come back after a few years off uh, after playing for the national team and now you're playing in the Prudential Center. What's that like? That was really awesome. Um, our first game, our home opener, was, in, was at the Prudential Center. And uh, I was actually, to be completely honest, I was a little bit nervous because sometimes when you're playing in such a big, big stadium or big arena, um, the energy feels sort of dead if the whole entire stadium isn't filled up and mm. I didn't think we'd be able to have a solo crowd by any means um, but we did have a great crowd and uh, I was really really impressed and had great energy in the rink I it was awesome to play there very it was awesome obviously it's a it's an amazing facility and they treated us just as we should, just like professionals. You felt like a professional athlete, um, you know, uh, class A type of uh, University of Wisconsin standards, you know. Uh, <laughs> All right, you big cheese head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they lived up to my U UW-Madison standards, so <laughs> that is the cream of the crop right there. All right, uh, All right. this is not a commercial for uh, Wisconsin. <laughs> this, is, this, is my, this is my plug for UW. <laughs> <laughs> well, Erica, uh, a member of the 2-0 Metropolitan Riveters, uh, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast today, and hopefully we can talk to you again in the future. Yes, the undefeated Riveters. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. All right, so happy now to welcome Sydney Rossman, the starting goaltender for the Connecticut Whale. How are you, Sydney? Good, how are you? Let's talk a little bit about uh, your performance thus far. I mean, just two games into the season, but uh, nothing to shake a stick at. Uh, you're tied for the league lead in save percentage, and you've, you've faced the most shots in the league so far, so... What's going on? How good do you feel between those pipes? Um, yeah, obviously uh, we've had two pretty good games so far. I feel pretty good, but I think I have my team to thank for that. Obviously, being a rookie on the team this year, it's definitely a different adjustment from college, but um, we have strong defensemen in front of us, uh, forward lines, and I think I'm just confident knowing that they're there for me and I'm going to be there for them. Tell me a little bit about that adjustment from college to the pros. What's the biggest 
difference that you see? Uh, I think the biggest difference uh, is just the physicality of the game. Um, college hockey, I think the roughing is a little stricter. I think just with younger girls, um, as you get older at the professional level, the girls are bigger, stronger, and I just think um, it's a more intense, more intense game with faster and more physical, and I think that's the biggest difference for me is there's a lot of bodies in front. It's hard to see the puck, um, but it definitely gives it a, a more competitive feel as I'm able to kind of participate in that intense version of the game and kind of compete a little bit harder. Now, as a goalie, tell me a little bit how confidence plays into your overall game. I mean, obviously, positionally, you know, positionally you've got to be strong. Uh, your athleticism's got to be way up there. But right. confidence-wise, I mean, it has to feel good to stop 62 of 66 to start the year, and you've got to be, you know, just in your head even that much more comfortable. Yeah, uh, I think confidence is always the biggest thing with goalies. Um, I think it comes with the first couple shots of the game. If I can make those first saves, uh, I'm going to feel pretty good going into the second and third period. So I think confidence is even more important than being fit and athletic, as weird as that sounds. Uh, if I feel comfortable in that, then I know that I'm going to have a pretty good game. So I think the mental side of it is definitely huge for goalies. I want to ask you a little bit about what you had just mentioned in that last answer there, that feeling the puck early in the game, right? Maybe seeing a few shots in the first few minutes, uh, for, you know, nothing super high danger from a, from, the, yeah. from the slot or anything, but just kind of feeling it out. What goes through your mind when you haven't seen a shot for a while and how do you keep yourself involved mentally? Yeah, um, that's always kind of been a challenge of mine is kind of, trying to relax right from the get-go. Um, obviously, I would like to get a shot right away, a pretty easy shot, but we know that that's <laughs> not always possible. Um, so I think I kind of just like to break the game up into five-minute segments. So it's like each five minutes is its own game. So if I can have a shutout in each of those five minutes, then obviously in the end that's going to result in a, in a good game. So if I break the game down, it kind of allows my mind to be a little more at ease. Um, and focus on those five minutes ahead of me. Tell me a little bit about how you utilize your coaching experience outside the NWHL, your your uh, uh, coach as well. Tell me how you utilize that coaching experience during the game and maybe in practice with your teammates and, and all the rest. Yeah, uh, so this is kind of the first year that I've started coaching more full-time. Obviously, uh, being a college athlete, there's not much time for it, but <laughs> it's, it's allowed me to kind of see the game from a different perspective. Um, when I go coach young goalies or older goalies, whatever it is, I can kind of see the things that I've been taught from a young age that I couldn't necessarily relate to. Obviously, it's hard to see certain things that you're being told, even if you're told over and over, you can't see them from the outside. So I think it's just allowed me to look at these young goalies and kind of see myself in them and notice the little habits that I have as well, even being 22 and a professional hockey player so it's kind of allowed me to break those little habits and apply it to my game you guys go into boston last saturday and come away with a huge win what was the locker room like after that game how how big of a win was that um that was huge that was probably the, i think a turning point i don't like to say that this early but a turning point for our team i think we began to realize how good we could be i think we've been doubted since the beginning of of the season, like even in August, kind of on compared to the other teams, and I think that was just a good way for us to prove how good we are. And whether we're better on paper or not, I don't think that always matters in hockey. Um, I think that Saturday was a perfect time for us to show that we're going to get scored on. You know, we're going to have times that 
we clearly don't look like the best team compared to the other team, but at the end of the day, we're going to work hard, and if we can pull off one, two goals a game, then we're going to win. Now, obviously, a, a large uh, challenge for you guys coming up this weekend against the Metropolitan Riveters, who have gotten off to a crazy start, um, scoring no less than four goals in their two games. Uh, for a, a plus seven goal differential through the first two weeks of the season. What are you doing specifically to gear up for that, um, especially from the defensive and, and goaltending side of that? Right. Um, I think I'm going to go into it and our team in general as just any other game. Um, no matter what team you play, obviously there's there's girls on that team that we keep an eye out for and there's ex-Olympians or whoever they may be. But I think we have to go into each game with the same attitude as we can win this game and we're not going to get scored on. And, um, you know, they might get one or two here or there, and that's just reality. But I don't think we can look at it as, they, oh, no, they scored more goals than the other teams we've played. That means they're going to score more here. We just have to go into it as a normal game and shut them down. All right, Sydney. Well, good luck moving forward, and thank you so much for jumping on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, folks, I want to give a very special thank you once again to Lindsey Berman, Erica Lawler, and Sydney Rossman for jumping on the podcast today to help us uh, learn a little bit more about the opening two weeks of the NWHL season. But, folks, there is much, much more to come. And in the next few weeks, we've got the Riveters at the Whale. That'll be your Twitter game of the week on November 11th, followed by the Pride and the Buttes. The weekend after, and we won't see you before then, like, like we mentioned in the intro to this episode, we're going to be on an every other week schedule. So we'll see you after every two uh, NWHL weekends. So this weekend is Riveters and Whale, Pride and Buttes, the Riveters and Whale being the Twitter game of the week. The weekend following Riveters and Buttes, Pride and Whale, and the Pride Whale game will be the Twitter game of the week on the 18th. Of November, so plenty to look forward to, and it'll be interesting to watch the Pride over the over the course of the next few weeks. They were 16 and one last year, and you heard uh, Lindsey Berman talk about how maybe they didn't peak at the right time going into the playoffs and losing the week before the playoffs. They finished last season with a plus 44 goal differential early this season. Two games in, they're at minus four. Only two goals scored in those two games. They've got the Buttes then the Whale, and then the Buttes and the Whale again. So the next four are against teams that they, they, you know, they haven't seen the Buttes yet. They've seen the Whale. They lost 2-1 to one to the Whale in Week 2 of the NWHL season. So it'll be interesting to see how the Pride respond to their 0-2 start. Only one of their next four games is at home. So they're going to have to do some heavy lifting on the road early on in this season. As for league leaders early on, we're looking at Mie Dench is the league leader in points, six points on the early season, two goals, four assists for her. So she is off to a great start, as are the rest of those Metropolitan Riveters, especially offensively. But do not forget about Katie Fitzgerald between the pipes. She is off to a great start herself, tied for the league lead in save percentage at 939 through the first two weeks. So much, much more to come in the NWHL season. We're two weeks in. We'll see you in another few weeks to give you another update. So for all of us here at the NWHL podcast, stay tuned for more updates at NWHL on Twitter and at NWHL.zone on the web to learn much, much more. So we will see you next time here at the NWHL podcast. I'm Ken Reichman. So long. <laughs>